Hello and welcome to another episode of the Our Athletes Podcast. My name is Michael Rizil and I'm the host to the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path of the games. Today, we have Chris Barnard of USA Sailing Olympic hopeful. Chris, it was so much fun having him on. Um, he actually came on because he recently won a gigantic 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 regatta um in the sailing world so they were very excited wanted to get a little more information about about him considering he is now going to be hopefully a favorite to make the games um and if not just make the games potentially even medal which we're really excited about so we got to talk about that we talked about him and his story you know everything he went through four-time national champion in high school um what college sailing is like the differences between college and olympic sailing and maybe some things that he would have done different if he did it again so very interesting conversation, had an absolute blast with him on. He also is very educational. Um, I tried to get a lot of questions that, you know, have a lot of questions that potentially people can learn from. That's always important to me. So hopefully, hopefully you guys and girls get a little bit out of it. So thank you to Chris. Um, but first, have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Uh, I did, and I was lucky to find Rob at launchingpodcasts.com. I took the course, learned everything that I did, um, that you hear and see and feel and everything came from the, his knowledge and his course. It was fantastic. So had that opportunity. I did it. I wanted to grow my brand awareness. I wanted to build relationships. I wanted to do so many different things. And I was very happy that I did because now the podcast is like my favorite thing to do every day. So hopefully, you know, a couple people out there will consider checking that out. So Go to launchingpodcasts.com, um, use promo code Mike, you get $50 off. Again, that's launchingpodcasts.com, promo code Mike for $50 off. And here is Chris. All right, today, special guest, Chris Barnard of USA Sailing Olympic Hopeful, born April 28th, 1991, grew up in Newport Beach, California, began sailing at the age of eight as a four-time national champion high school, graduated from Georgetown University three-time All-American, 2012 Sailor of the Year, led his team to the co-ed national championship, became a member of U.S. national team in 2014, and recently won the Princess Sofia Regatta in Palma de Mallorca. Chris, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to be on. Great to have a great conversation with you. I'm excited. I hope, but the, uh, the pleasure is all mine. So, Chris, uh, let's just get started. Newport Beach, California, kind of makes sense. I've heard of a few sailors. Is that like a hotbed down there, or is it just, uh, how, did, how did you get into sailing? Tell us a little bit about growing up. Yeah, Newport is, there's definitely worse places to grow up in, in the world and in the country. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate to be born there and be born into um, a sailing family, both my parents grew up sailing. Um, both of my grandparents on both sides um, live in Newport Beach, and they had uh, cru- they each had cruising sailboats of their own. So, sort of, um, they were both much more cruising sailors, and so kind of grew up going cruising to Catalina Yacht or Catalina Island um, from baby days. And my dad was a bit of a racer, um, pretty competitive, but um, was much more into his career in business, but he introduced me through New Barbie Yacht Club to all the sort of the racing side of that. And uh, my mom was a sailor, but was much more into the social part of it, but she was a super competitive person and Hmm. um, she was a really good cross country runner. So that's where I would say more of my competitive genes sort of come from. Um, But so I sort of directed that to the sailing and sort of just took off from there. Um, Newport beach, definitely a, um, a adventure or not adventure but like a lot of water Mm -hmm. sports and activities going on there from the surfing to the we grew up sailing inside the newport newport bay there and the sailing and um so there's definitely a a big culture surrounded by the water and sailing was just where i sort of gravitated to and directed all my competitive um genes towards if Mm -hmm. you will and just to just to confirm catalina as in the catalina wine mixer yeah, there you go. Thank the you. Famous Catalina wine mixer. There we go. Famous Catalina wine mixer. Um, awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's been in your blood for a little while. You've been doing um, and able to really get out on the water. I mean, you're in California. You might as well be on the beach or, or in the water in some way, shape, or form. So that makes sense. But um, I, I love it, man. Uh, so could you actually – let's – can you explain sailing to us a little bit? Not like the – okay, yeah, we kind of can see it in the movies, but like explain, I guess, your discipline and maybe how that might differ from some of the other disciplines that when we do get to watch you next year in the Olympics, um, knock on wood, we'll, uh, we'll be able to understand what we're, what we're looking at a little bit. Yeah, so what I grew up, so like I said, my grandparents sort of grew up on the cruising, which is what 
probably what a lot of people sort of envision uh, when they see sailing is cruising up, cruising 40-foot sailboat type things. Um, so what I grew up doing is learning to sail an eight-foot, what's called a Naples Sabbath. Um, and all around the world, they have their own sort of similar type thing where it's a small one-person, small sail type thing, tiny little dinghy. And you learn how to sail that until you're about 14 years old. And then you sort of gravitate. I, then you sort of graduate onto bigger and bigger, more powerful boats. And some people go on to keel boats. And um, from a young age, I always had an eye on high-performance dinghies type thing. And you move into different like 14-foot boats that are double-handed or single-handed, but all still pretty small and pretty light and agile. Um, and so sort of moved on to radials and lasers and 420s and FJs. These are all sort of small 14-foot, two-person, one-person boats. Um, so that takes you a lot into the high school and college sailing. Mm-hmm. And then um, post-college sailing, I always had that eye from a young age to do Olympics. And I knew that was the pinnacle of our sport in terms of athletics and in performance, high performance sailing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the laser is the boat that I sail, which is just a 14 foot one person dinghy, um, really physical. um, And it's a really uh, technical in terms of uh, like, you have to be a really good helmsman and, um, really good at steering the boat and um, the boats are all basically the same so there's no they're the same from one boat to the next so basically makes it so it all comes down to the sailor mm-hmm. and and in the racing that we do is basically it's over a five to six day period and there's about two races a day and you basically go around a course that's a mi- about a mile long up and you go up into the wind and then back down with the wind and each, and you do like two laps typically, and each race takes about fifty to about fifty minutes. And you do mm-hmm. two races a day over um, a five day period, five to six day period, and you end up with ten somewhere between ten to fourteen races. And so that's sort of the crux of the um, Olympic sailing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is it is it um, I guess is it point based by where you finished, or is it time based on like okay, you had yeah. the, the lowest time through the twelve races? Yeah, exactly. So it, it's all point based. So okay. a typical regatta will range anywhere from fifty to one hundred and eighty boats. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's more than, they typically like to keep the fleet size at fifty boats. But and then if it's more than that, then they'll split the fleet up so it's equal fleets, and then. Um, Based, and then based on your rank, world ranking and stuff like that. But the idea is that, all right, this, you finish first, you get one point. You get second, you get two points. Three, you get three points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you add up all your points over the all races and the total points who has the least amount first and so on and so forth. Um, and because sailing is such a, um, not random, but there are uncontrollables in the wind mm-hmm. and the weather, p- mm-hmm. part of, so what you do get to drop your worst race. Okay. So, so if, so if you have three, seven, six, 10, 29, three, you mm-hmm. get to drop that 29 mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. count it towards your yeah. total score. Um, but you only get to drop one out of a 10 to 14 race series. So it, it's still, you get one for an outlier, like bad race, but it's still, um, favors though that are super consistent yeah and that makes sense that makes sense it's kind of like yeah yeah, we've we've had those professors in college that were really nice that let us drop that last score so that was there you go totally get what you're saying man i love it yeah uh very cool thank you for that really do appreciate a little uh education especially what i would almost consider you know olympic sports if they only come around once every four years not like you're sitting on your couch but i'm only only watching it once every four years and i'd say most of the country is too unfortunately but it is what it is so we want to educate people a little bit here so i love that so um, high school, four-time national champ. Um, that's pretty incredible. What's, uh, what do you attribute that to a little bit? Is it, is it again, like the high school out in, in Newport that you went to, if you went to one there, like, yeah. So I was very fortunate in, have you ever read the book, um, like talent code or outliers, uh, outliers, Malcolm Gladwood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like what I would kind of very much attribute to is that, we were fortunate in that sort of Southern California, particularly Newport area. Mm-hmm. We had, and that whole book, the crux of it is that like there's randomly, you'll see this spike or peak of really good, talented sailors in a very small area mm-hmm. in a 
like a 10 year period. And it's like, why the heck did this happen? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we were very fortunate where there was like this five year period where we had all these super talented sailors come all the same high school, same bay. And even if you go down to like San Diego, like that whole sort of area, um, that were all very talented and really competitive kids that also had really supportive parents who were also sailors and competitive themselves. So we were sort of, so like people in a high school, not a high school team have gone on to, and in that same sort of age group on both ends have gone on to be really good college sailors and even Olympic sailors. So like on my high school team was um, that one national championships. We had Charlie Buckingham, Michael Menninger, uh, Cole Hatton, uh, Chris Segerblom, all people who have gone on to do really, really good things, both on the collegiate level and the Olympic level. Um, so it was sort of, it was sort of in that, like in the book Outlier says, it's just like we had a really, really small, but really not small, but like a, a big influx of a mm -hmm. really talented and a good environment in terms of really tons of talented sailors that are all the same group age group at the same time, as well as parents that are all knew how to help generate mm -hmm. that feed that talent to get better and better. Mm -hmm. And we all just push each other really hard and have continued to sort of do that today. So love it, man. That is super cool. Yeah. The, the opportunity, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a little while now, as we said, your birthday as of recording is in two days. Um, so, I mean, you'll be 28, and I mean, to be able to do that with a, a few people for the last, what sounds like 14 years almost is, is pretty incredible. Um, and how you've been able to, so, so you are all also competing against each other, right? So, you know, competition breeds excellence in, in some way, shape or form, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So like in that high school, we were, a lot of us were on the same high school team and we all sort of knew that we had to push each other to mm -hmm. get better, but we also there was like kind of the high school sailing, which is you're competing against different high school teams. And then there's also the youth sailing and the junior mm -hmm. sailing where it's outside of the high school. It's a different type of sailing, if you will, at where um, high school sailing is a lot of double handed and um, a little bit more simplistic where the youth okay. and junior sailing sometimes gets a little more high. You sail a little more high performance boats and mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. bigger races. Um, the high school sailing is like super short courses and they might be 18 races over a two-day period like really small and they bang out races so it's a little bit different type of racing but mm -hmm. um yeah we were just super competitive and um all competitive people and loved um i think we were just in a really good environment that um grew that talent to more bigger bigger levels i love it man you guys had your own super team out there in newport very jealous very jealous um so congratulations on that and then going to georgetown university correct? Yep. Yep. And that, if I'm not mistaken, is on the other side of the country. Yeah. That's okay. On the other side of the country. So, so what, what was the, uh, the reasoning, I guess? I mean, I, I didn't know Georgetown had a sailing program to be just a hundred percent honest with you. So like, yep. what was the reason to go from a beautiful, gorgeous weather out to, uh, Washington DC area, correct? Like yeah. what, what is, what was the, the reasoning and the, and the, the action behind that? Yeah. So, I knew that I wanted to do college sailing. Um, it was a goal of mine to go to a good college sailing team, win a college nationals, win a college sailor of the year. And really the hotbed of all the really strong college sailing teams are on the East coast, basically from Charleston all the way up to Boston area. And there's a few, there's, there's college sailing teams all around the country, like the West coast everywhere. But the, like if you look at the college sailing rankings week to mm -hmm. week, which are published every couple of weeks out of the top 15, usually about 13 of them are all in that East coast area. Really? And like that, that's just where the all, like it's just a really strong culture and they, the athletic departments really support their sailing teams. And that's just sort of where all the top sailors go. So for me and my recruiting process, I knew that, I wanted to, if I wanted to do what I wanted to achieve, I had to go to the top sailing team. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I was okay going to the East coast cause I had sort of traveled a lot in youth sailing in high school, doing all the East coast regattas and mm -hmm. around the country and around the world every once in a while. Um, so, and I figured, you know, I, I always be able to come back to California with all my family. I, this is a great opportunity to go live on the East coast and check, see what that's like. Um, so 
with that recruiting process, I was like, well, these are the top X number of teams, 20 teams or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, take out the sailing part. What are the actually schools? If you look at just the schools, what are the schools that, all right, these, these are schools that actually interest me. Like the school, the academics, the culture, the, where it is, weather, all that sort of stuff. And then just narrowed it, narrowed it down, narrowed it down. And, um, I was in a position where, um, with my high school sailing results and resume that basically I could sort of choose wherever I wanted to go. And, um, so, and came down to a few schools, but I ultimately decided Georgetown was a school that I wanted to go to and, um, get an education there and, and join the sailing team. Very cool, man. Yeah. I mean, Georgetown is relatively known for their, uh, their, their education and, uh, you know, some of their programs out there. So congratulations that, you know, you were not have the opportunity where you were, you were, you earned the opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, yeah. congratulations on that. I would have honestly guessed that the sailing would have be more West coast based. Um, but I guess yeah. that's, you know, learn something yeah. every day, right? Yeah. Like Stanford has a quite a strong sailing team and, um, and like in the, if you look back in the history, like funny, like USC and UCI and um, UC Santa Barbara, they've had strong sailing teams in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but over the last, I don't know if you say the last 15, 20 years, the recruiting um, more, not professional, but the recruiting and mm -hmm. the um, yeah. support for different sailing, different athletic teams um, has become more aggressive if you will mm -hmm. in, in the sense of like um so they so like yeah they want to support their athletic teams and so more east coast schools are they took a step if you will mm -hmm. in um trying to get the trying to like some of their sailing teams and recruit top sailors um an interesting thing with like sailing and college sailing is that that sailing doesn't offer scholarships. Mm -hmm. So like you, it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it basically, but it uh, funny enough, like a lot of the top sailing schools end up being, um, a lot of times end up being really good academic schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those really good academic schools are basically from DC yeah. up to Boston. Makes sense. So I think like a lot of sailors, they basically end up, saying okay if i can I'm, i can't get a scholarship and like get my school paid for by going to any sailing team sailing school they say well i might as well get a good education and as well as a lot of those top sailing schools like a georgetown um a yale a boston college a harvard dartmouth a lot mit a lot of these ivy league schools types they're um they're also really good educations and mm -hmm. they sort of get a two for one in that sense. Yep. That's sort of, I'm, my guess is that that's sort of how it's all sort of really cornered in and that Charleston all the way up to Boston area. Um, but that's sort of where the college sailing uh, hotbed is. Yeah. It's like we're all usually, if you're, if you look at your results, the Stanford, Stanford will be in the top rankings um, and they'll do well at nationals, but all the top teams typically come from on the East coast. Very interesting. I like that. Thank you uh, for a little extra information. That is definitely eye-opening, but it does make sense knowing that if you can't. And and let's just be very honest. Sailing is a slightly more affluent sport. Um, you know, it's it's it, it seems very difficult to own and and maintain and do all these things uh, with one of these boats. So it also makes sense the opportunity to go to some of these schools. Uh, you might as well get the best possible education, right? So no, completely, completely makes sense. Um, yep. And while you were at Georgetown, um, so 2012, you actually joined the U.S um development team correct yeah yeah so um the development team i want to say it even just like really just it started um in 2012 and, I, and i'm okay. sure we'll dive into this later but um the development team as a u.s as a entity of the u.s olympic sailing team um one of their big things is creating a system for developing the up-and-comers if you will mm -hmm. that are not on the olympic team mm -hmm. so 2012 was if i remember correctly it's kind of like the beginning of that um so yeah i, I think i was like on one of those first teams that was in 2012 mm -hmm. and then so what was that like obviously again crushing it in high school being pretty darn good again 2012 sailor of the year which came first sailor of the year or becoming part of that development team 
Um, I can't remember. So the, the, the development team, um, so the development team in the U S Olympic sailing is very, is a very separated from the college sailing. Mm-hmm. So, um, the development team and the Olympic sailing, that whole circuit is like, is very different than the college sailing and the types of sailing, um, the type of boats, et cetera, et cetera. So the, at, the, the, at the same ahead. time, I'm assuming they're paying attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, though, absolutely. Right? Like, you know, it's looking, like, you know, it's one of looking at the college sailing to where, where is the up, up and coming talent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think the develop, so they were looking for sure in that as well as, um, all through high school sailing and college sailing when I'm not doing college sailing or high school sailing in the summer, I'm dabbling into that Olympic sailing mm-hmm. types and okay. putting my start. I was starting to put in my experience to eventually, um, put myself in a position to do an mm-hmm. Olympic campaign. Yeah. Love it, man. love it. And then what, so like, what did you learn and, and how did you kind of help like utilize that and, push yourself forward on both ends. Like what did you take from going to such a great school and learning from sailing there? And what did you learn from becoming, you know, at a relatively young age at what, like 20 years old, um, learning and understanding from the U S development team that you could then kind of just push yourself forward even faster. Yeah. So, uh, it's interesting looking back on it, like what I learned then as well as like what I know now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the, so like when I went, so like when I was doing like my, for example, like my, even like high school recruiting process. And like, I knew I eventually wanted to do Olympic campaign and like win, Mm -hmm. try and win medals, et cetera, et cetera. And, but I also wanted to do this college sale of the year and college sailing thing. And and that was a big goal of mine. And I was naive in the fact, and as well as maybe I didn't have, um, us sailing in general is, um, evolving in this sense and not, and, maybe it wasn't guided in, in this that doing college sailing win college sailing of the year and trying to win Olympic medals, they're not necessarily in line in the same path. Mm-hmm. Right. And to win and in reality to win, do Olympic sailing and do win Olympic medals, doing college sailing really just delays that process. Unfortunately, Interesting. because, it's, because the sailing is so the types of sailing is so different. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very, they're similar in a lot of ways, but they're also very different. And um, so like looking like at the time, I thought it was like, hey, I'm on the right path. Like I'm hitting my checkpoints of like winning college all year, winning college mm-hmm. nationals. I'm on the development team, et cetera, et cetera, which was really good steps in terms of within the U.S. system, U.S. sailing of like, mm-hmm. hey, he's winning all this stuff and he's on the right path but in reality um looking back on it now and it's hard for me i've told many people this it's hard for me to regret the things that i did in college sailing because i did what i wanted to do and um i accomplished great thing got a great education and met my girlfriend at the time and now fiance it's um it's hard for me to regret those decisions but if i would much do that process much differently knowing how the process and develop develop or the pro mainly the process of Olympic sailing is I mm-hmm. would do, I would manage the college sailing much differently Interesting. and manage managing where I wanted to put my priorities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But, but I mean, again, at that time, you know, one of your major goals was, you know, sailor of the year was to win a national championship. So, you know, you can't, yeah, really, can't and, really fault but, yourself for that. Now, yeah, now that exactly. you know, of course, hindsight's always going to be 2020, but at the same time. Yeah. And I just, but um, I very much thought that, college sailor of the year and Olympic sailing was on the same path. Ah, uh, okay. If, if you will, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. to win Olympic medals and then, and to also do college sailor of the year, you can go on that same path, but know that it's It's, it's going to delay you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least two years, two, That's three, four, two, three, four years, just because instead of doing four years of college sailing, you can do four years of really high level Olympic sailing. And, um, if I had known that, all right, if I want to choose one or the other mm-hmm. and I had really good guidance, yeah, someone might have told me, yeah, go just go do the Olympic sailing, you mm-hmm. know, and someone really drilled, in, drilled into me, of, or at least it would have forced me to at least really look at how I wanted to manage this. Mm-hmm. Right? I love it. And that's, but, um, yeah. but that's just a really good lesson experience that I went through and I try and um, 
guide the next generation mm-hmm. and letting them know like, Hey, this is, this is something you, you should, I wish I thought about more. I don't know yeah. if I would have done it any differently, but I wish I at least thought about it more mm-hmm. and know that this is, this is what you have to think about it. And, and where, where do you want to prioritize your goals? hundred percent. No, I love that, man. And that's great. And just so everyone that's listening is aware, any sailors out there, Chris's information will be in the show notes. So make sure to reach out to him if you have any questions. There we go. So um, go. really happy to hear that, man. So um, I guess, you know, learning that information, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and that does kind of suck. But at the same time, you know, again, it, it got you to here and here is a pretty great spot right now. So there's really um, not nothing too wrong with that. But let's talk about so you finished Georgetown again, three-time All-American there, Sailor of the Year, won a national championship. So you, did, you were able to hit your goals. And in 2014, so I'm assuming after you graduated, um, you then became a, a full-time member of the national um, sailing team? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, so I graduated in May 2013. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, graduated, did our last college nationals. And then basically that fall, I started my – Olympic campaign and mm-hmm. just committing to the full-time Olympic sailing. Um, and so then in J- January, 2014 at the annual world cup, Miami is our, uh, typical, uh, national team qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that first, at that, at that Miami, so every year you get to requalify for the team. So 14 was the first year that I had, um, achieve that goal, if you will, of like, I had chances in previous years, but mm-hmm. really achieved that goal of, um, getting on the national team. And I've been on the team ever since. So mm-hmm. congratulations of that, man. And so how much have you seen yourself improve, um, over that period of time? And, and I asked this question with not really knowing when a, a, I guess the prime age of an Olympic sailor is, um, understanding that you already told us the part that it kind of delayed yourself. So this could have been done a few years earlier, but since 2014 being on the team full-time how, how much have you seen yourself improve over that period of time yeah i mean it's just huge huge improvements mm-hmm. um i mean the sailor that i uh when i left college to where i am now is just night and day i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's someone that has been through six years of really um big physical changes and mm-hmm. strength and conditioning big uh, personal changes and how much I've gotten more smarter about how to ment- uh, <laughs> mentally peak and perform, um, uh-huh. learning more about myself, what I like to do, what I don't like to do, what stresses me out, what helps me relax and focus. Um, and then obviously a ton in the technical side of it, learning about high performance sailing, learning about how to, uh, learning about weather and wind conditions and how to sail the boat differently, tactics and strategy on big fleets, all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just night and day. Um, I say in a very much sense, I've, I mastered college sailing and high school sailing. Like I was like, obviously did very well. And, but it's also a very simplistic thing. Mm-hmm. And the Olympic sailing just, there's, if there's 10, if there's 10 things to master, do really well in Olympics and college sailing, the Olympic sailing has a hundred of them mm-hmm. and, and it's just like adding to that, uh, arsenal of w- weapons, if you will, of like, mm-hmm. right, you get, you said there's so many different conditions, so many different uh, things you need to know. And then, and all these different types of, uh, ways to sail the boat and all these different types of wind conditions, wave conditions, and then, then being able to sail smart and through all that through, uh, is definitely takes a lot of experience and a lot of trust in the process and learning. Absolutely. So, so here's a question kind of going back uh, in the conversation a little bit. So you said, you know, you mastered, essentially mastered college and high school sailing, and that's what got you to sailor of the year, won a national championship. How, and, and maybe this is more for the young sailors and the parents of sailing out there. What would, is there an opportunity to go to the, go, I guess the Olympic route and still be able to hit a couple of those goals along the way, considering me being relatively ignorant on the sport, not really knowing mm-hmm. what those 10 or 100 things are, couldn't they be along that way, I guess? Like why, why yeah. if mastering something more difficult makes, sounds like to me, the, the more simplistic version of the sport should then just become easier. But then yeah, and, I and really don't a, know. And that, and that was just something that I was unaware of uh, mm-hmm. at the time. Uh-huh. Um, there's been plenty of sailors that, who I've become friends with that went through colleges, um, 
some, some Latin American sailors from like Guatemala that are high or high performance Olympic mm-hmm. sailors that went to a place called College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, and then they just go, they want to get an education. So they go through the Trumpets Olympic sailing, jump into college sailing. They struggle for a bit because college sailing is mm-hmm. unique. Yeah. Um, but then they eventually pick it up and then they take those skills, go back to Olympic mm-hmm. sailing. Um, mm-hmm. So like if I were to do it differently, what I would do is probably still do the college sailing, still get an education, do, and still mm-hmm. really try and compete for all that sort of stuff. But what I would do much differently is get a much better understanding of the physical side of the mm-hmm. sailing, uh, which I was really pushed myself to get better at anyways, but just I needed to learn more, if okay. you will. Um, yeah. But also I would do more of instead like i would go out of my way more take a week off school or or whatever it is to go do hey i need to go do a training camp with the Mm -hmm. national team in miami hey i need to go do a week and go to this regatta and palm Mm -hmm. princess sophia trophy like go Mm -hmm. there at that time go get my butt kicked get get a learn a bunch of stuff and then come back and do the college sailing thing mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like go, doing doing more of those type of thing go down do a week of training come back instead of like in college sailing or when i was at when i did before was i would literally do five months straight of just school yeah. and college sailing and then not even touch the olympic sailing okay that makes sense it, that makes yeah so no, that, no, no, that's, no, that's what i would do mm-hmm. i'd push myself to go find and do those opportunities much mm-hmm. more very cool. Yeah. So supplement it a little bit more. Um, exactly. And then, and then one last question on that again, for some of the younger sailors and the parents of sailors out there, what would be a few of those things other than like the actual going to the events? What would be some of the things again, going back to those 10, 10 items or 100 items, what are some of those ancillary items on the Olympic side that college athletes still would be able to focus on maybe one or two that they would be yeah, able to so focus on still the, in college, I guess. Yeah. So the, U.S. sailing team has really, in the last five, yeah, particularly in the last five years, through the American One Foundation, has really stepped up the Olympic development team and helping those that are basically from high school age, 15, 16, when they go through youth, they go to the youth worlds like I did, they, um, and then all the way through college sailing is like that age group. Mm-hmm. They're helping them make sure they get that development, giving them opportunities to go do national camps in high performance boats and, 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 and all those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So really just working with um, the U S Olympic development program, which they have a whole website that shows their full schedule, how to get in contact. Um, Leandro Spina, who's the head, head guy of that whole program. He's really good at making, um, developing that whole thing. And, and they've really seen the, um, the fruits of all that labor that they put in. And when they started that in 2015, basically every since every year they racked up more and more medals at the youth worlds. And mm-hmm. they had the youth worlds in Texas last summer and they were the top nation. So that, that whole thing is really starting to pick up and um, they just, and so really just working with getting in contact with that Olympic development mm-hmm. program is if you want to go do um olympic sailing then that that's how you go do that love it love it man i'll make sure to get all that information from you uh so that everything can be in the show notes as well so um everything that you've said so far has gotten you to this spot and recently you won the princess sofia regatta in palma de mallorca um tell us tell us about that event i mean it was very specific it, i was reached out to to do this interview because you won this event it's very, relatively um important in the sailing world so i guess tell us a little bit about this event what it means to you to win um and why it was so important to to uh you know get that information out there and let some people know yeah so the princess sophia regatta we all call it palma just because that's where it is but basically it's there's sort of the circuit of events that go around that the Olympic sailing sort of mm-hmm. follows around the world. Um, the typicals are obviously the Olympics, there's the worlds, there's Europeans. And then a lot of the Olympic circuit usually goes into Europe, particularly in the spring mm-hmm. and then the summer. Um, and Palma is one or two of like, there's, there's the, yeah, Princess Sophia trophy. And then there's here's, which we're at now, which is kind of lost a little bit of traction because it's not a, world cup anymore but Mm -hmm. um 
but Palma, it, it always is an event that like this last one we had two weeks ago, it's a, has 50th anniversary. It's big, uh, has a lot of history and obviously had a huge, it has huge turnout every year. One of the most popular events. So mm-hmm. like, I would say it's like there's in terms of tiers of like the hardest, toughest, biggest regardless to win and on the Olympic sailing scene, it's basically the worlds and the Olympics are on one tier. And then it's like Europeans, Palma. Um, and then depending on the, the amount of competition that shows up in the, and how the schedule sort of works is like Miami world cup and, mm-hmm. um, here regatta ends up being sort of on that same tier, but it's like, I would say it's basically just below that tier of worlds in the Olympics, but mm-hmm. all that same competition is at that, at Palma, that's at the worlds and the Olympics. It's just not necessarily peak regatta for like the Olympics mm-hmm. or, the, or the worlds. Um, but in terms of like, you look at the list of people that have won that event. It's like, Oh, that guy's won a medal. That guy won a world. That guy's on the America's cup, like mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it, to win that was, um, pretty significant, not a breakthrough moment for me. And, yeah. um, it, especially since that was an event that I've been going to since 2014 and 2014, I was in silver fleet, 2015, I was in bronze fleet and just sort of in like middle hundred first year finished like probably i forget probably like 670th or something the next year finished 110th and now i've sort of worked my way up to then to win the event was Mm -hmm. that was uh yeah pretty cool but looking back seeing that progression and to win that was pretty cool absolutely man so so a couple questions on that was were you one of the top rated or ranked uh sailors coming into this event like was it more of a surprise or was it more of okay yeah there was a very good chance you were going to win it yeah, so like I, it was. So I'm trying to remember. My, I think my ranking in the fleet was 12th in the world. Okay, so um, I mean that's that's. And, not, I'm assuming it went up now too. Yeah, it and it, that's just on the and the only people that weren't there were a few of the Australian Kiwis who mm-hmm. are top, definitely top ten guys, top mm-hmm. five guys. Um, but besides that, there were is basically all the top guys. Yeah. Um. So, um, my goal. We I mean. Like I mean, our, our our goals are always sort of um, yes, we want to do well in the event, and we and we um, want to perform well, but it's not necessarily the result that matters. We're trying. Mm-hmm. We have some bigger goals that we're working on, technical things, et cetera, et cetera, to peak towards the worlds and yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, to to win that, it wasn't necessarily. It was definitely a surprise and winning, um, but we knew that we were doing a lot of the right things in terms mm-hmm. of our work and our training. And, um, I think if I had gotten to the metal race, that would have been, I'd have been super stoked with that. And then I just kept sailing or I just sort of kept my state in the moment, stayed present and just kept banging out good races, good starts and good speed. And then one day went by, just kept sort of moving up We started, I was in 10th and then I was in sixth and I was in third and then I was in first. And then, um, suddenly I just kind of held first and then held first and then, and won the regatta. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 as I discussed with my coach, it wasn't necessarily the result that was, um, the result was obviously super cool mm-hmm, to win mm-hmm. the regatta, but it was the performance. It was yeah, like, I exactly. performed really well. And that's something that we can't, especially in the sport like Santa, can't necessarily always control the results, but we can always control the performance. And that's exactly. just what we, and that now is what's like, Hey, that was that's what we want to try and keep on perform, keep mm-hmm. on doing. Heck yeah, man. I mean, clearly the performance was pretty darn good. So uh, you're doing something right and keep it rocking and rolling. Uh, another question on that. So as you said, like when people, uh, sailors win this race, it it's then kind of assumed that they will continue to do very well on these bigger stages. Is, does that mm-hmm. give you motivation or does that look, do you look as that as a little bit of extra added pressure that you can kind of utilize moving forward? knowing that now people are going to see you as like, well, there's a shot that he could medal at the Olympics. Now it's now there's, he should medal at the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people, it'll definitely put me on the radar Mm -hmm. of a lot of those other top guys. Like, Hey, Barney, who would, how has I'm known my nickname, Barney, Mm -hmm. Barney, they probably saw him like, Oh yeah. He's always a fringe top 10, maybe just outside the top 10 guy. Like he'll have good races, but maybe not necessarily be in the medal race or, even be close to winning medals but now it's like oh wow this is and how i view it it's a breakthrough moment and 
maybe we should, and I, I should consider myself one of these top, I should now consider myself one of these top guys. And as my coach said, now there's no excuse. You, there's no excuse not to win gold at, at mm-hmm. the Olympics. Absolutely. You've shown, and it's definitely given me the confidence that, Hey, I've shown that I can do it. And there's still plenty of work to be done. And we, I know I still have a lot of skills and techniques and things that I got to improve on, but, um, I've shown that I can play with these guys and play with the boys and, and go toe to toe and beat them. And the more confident and, um, as one of my, one of my, as my college sailing coach said, as more executive Chris comes out, the, mm-hmm. the, the harder he is to beat. So just Love keep it. it, um, keeping that confidence high and staying present and, um, just keep on trying to perform well. Keep on keeping on, brother. I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else you can do. Um, so congratulations on that again. That's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, next on the list sounds like it's Worlds, and then we got the Olympics, and and we're going to be rocking and rolling. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. 2020. What? Um, first, can you explain the qualification process for a sport like sailing, which, again, we don't really watch too often, un- unfortunately. What What do you need to do? Is it a point-based? Is it um, there's one race that the U.S. goes to, and then whoever wins goes? Can you just kind of explain and give us a little bit of better understanding? how yeah we'll see you yeah. next year yeah yeah so the um every country has their own standard mm-hmm. or system of how they select their sailor um so for sailing is unique where there's only one sailor per country that goes to the olympics um it's not per, like track and field per each discipline correct per each dip- discipline okay, so cool. for the one for the men single-handed only one per country for women single-handed one per country where it's very different than like track and field where you'll see three, three Americans in the hundred meter final, if you will. Um, so for us, um, same thing in the sense that a lot of the disciplines within our country or for our national trials is different. So the crux of it is, um, the worlds in, so there's kind of, so there's three tiers basically, or, and for us, there's two tiers. If you get, the Olympics and then the Japan World Cup. Mm-hmm. If you get seven or total points in your overall placing or less, then and no other American does that, then you go to the Olympics. So essentially, okay. if you get second at the Worlds and fourth at the World Cup in Japan in August, then you go to the game. You go to the games. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's their their way of hey, if you're a medal contender or likely metal, then we're going to select you early. Right. But that's obviously a super high standard, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't achieve that, that's fine. Then for us, it's basically world's 2019 world's 2020. So world's 2019 in July in Sakai Minato, I think that's how you say it, in Japan, mm-hmm. on the North coast of Japan. Beautiful. And then the world's in 2020 in Melbourne, Australia in February. Um, so that's basically where, our two focuses are because mm-hmm. we know that to reach that standard is super high. We're obviously going to shoot for it, but it's like, all right, we want to be ready for worlds in July in Japan and the worlds in Melbourne and Australia. Very um, cool. So, <laughs> and then depending on how the worlds go in Japan, if we have an opportunity to potentially get a medal and qualify, qualify for the games right away. And um, at the world cup in the, at the Olympic venue, then we'll go for that. But that's, mm-hmm. that's the crux of our, and then, so if it comes down to just the two worlds, it's the overall placing added together. So okay. if I get 10th at Japan worlds and seventh at the Melbourne worlds and the other Americans get ninth and 15th, then mm-hmm. my total points are less yeah. than I go to the games. Makes sense. And, and that's kind of alluding to what you were saying before. Like it's less about the results right now. It's more about the performance and, and kind of peaking at the right time. Correct. Exactly. So we're just like, like there were um, like, we have lots of uh, plenty of focuses that we want to work on within a regatta that like, Hey, we really want to focus on starting this week or, mm-hmm. Hey, we really want to focus on um, uh, second beats or downwind speed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, within like within training camps as well as during regattas and during a peak event, you know, you'll come like all those things have hopefully checked off those lists and you have the full arsenal of weapons in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you have all the skills and then during a, um, peak event, you may know that, 
hey, I know I'm going to be – you're not worried about focusing on, like, like, one thing particularly, but you know that, like, I can – I know for me, if I – for me to have a good world in Japan in July, my starts have to be dominant. And, mm-hmm. and there's no excuse for me to not be getting off the line clean fast and, and, and winning those starts. And that'll be the key to my regatta. If I don't have that, then I'm going to be, it's going to be really hard. And, and for everybody, if you don't yeah, have good yeah, starts yeah. at worlds, you, you, it's going to be really hard to win a world championship. Mm-hmm. So that, that's all. Um, uh, for me, that's, that's where we are. And like in, for Palma, my, I had a few focuses, like I really wanted to have good starts. Um, there was one technique that we've been working on developing that I was really focused on. And there was one thing on the tactically that I was trying to sort of keep myself, um, smart about. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was, but the biggest thing, as my coach John says, is that the performance is something that is, it's not performance is not really like, Oh, I'm going to be at my best sailing. How am I going to be mentally prepared for the first race of the Olympics? Mm-hmm. Cause then you're worried about something that's in the future that you have no control over exactly a year and a half yeah. from now mm-hmm. where we practice is having really good presence, present, pre- present mindset, mindfulness. So you're always living in the current moment you are and performing in the, for what needs to be done right now in this current mm-hmm. moment. And if you're really good at that skill set, then chances are when you show up the Olympics, it's like, all right, I'm in the present moment and I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I like, like your mindset, like what you're doing, like how you're doing it. I mean, clearly it's working. So I will, uh, I'll lean into you for, for, for everything sailing. How's that sound? But, um, yeah. Awesome, man. Congratulations. Looking forward to seeing you on TV. Um, upcoming soon, watching you sail around the world a little bit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be, We'll be rooting for you in about a year and a half. Um, and then the last question I always like to ask, just want to make sure, I mean, you're more than just an athlete, right? Yeah, you're, you're a full-blown person. You've got your Dodgers hat on and everything. So yeah. what um, is, you know, going to college, going to Georgetown, not messing around with the education portion of it, that obviously alludes to, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you'll become a coach, maybe you won't. But what is your, I guess, your, your post-career career, if I may? Is there, is there anything on the horizon that you're looking forward to or, or thinking about moving into, I guess, once, unfortunately, you know, athlete careers come to an end a little bit earlier? So mm-hmm. what, what is that next step and what's that next life move? Yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely something that um, has come across my mind in terms of, like, what, what do I want to do after mm-hmm. this Olympic sailing life? Is it, um, is it like going into professional sailing and getting mm-hmm. paid to go be a tactician on boats? Is it going to work for a sailing company that develops sales? Is it going to do America's cup stuff? Is it going to do coaching on the Olympic sailing or even development team or mm-hmm. high school, whatever. Um, but, or is it then going, or is it like, Hey, I just want to go do a regular career, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously much more Don't do simple it. in a way. Right. Don't do right? it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> so, but I've had a lot of those things go through my head and mm-hmm. I, um, I have, I have some ideas, if mm-hmm. you will, of like, Oh, I could dabble into this and I have a lot of different interests, but I wouldn't say like, Oh yeah, I'm set on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing for sure as is doing this Olympic sailing and doing this Olympic campaign, um, is very unique for what it is, but it's also, you're very much running your own small business mm-hmm. and you're, managing your own funds, you're fundraising, you're managing a hundred thousand to 200,000 plus, uh, budget a year. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with logistics. I'm shipping boats here. I'm buying flights here. I'm getting housing here. I'm out, And then I got to fundraise for this. I got to, um, move these boats and, uh, you're dealing with a lot of mm-hmm. small business, like what I would imagine yep. running a small business is, and you get, and you're going to see all these different countries and different cultures, many people around the world. And, um, as many people have said, like you're, you're getting an experience that nobody will have. And that's the sort of thing that if you decide to any, any career you want people and you tell that story and they see the sort of thing, experience that you've gone through, they're going to see as, as that is a huge asset, even though I might mm-hmm. not have a business school or mm-hmm. MBA mm-hmm. or a law degree, they're going to say, Hey, this, this person has been through, um, uh, some really cool experiences and knows how to deal in high, high performance, high pressure situations. And that's something that, and he, and he's clearly hardworking and that, and that's something that will be really valuable to us, whatever career path I'll go into. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, Absolutely, so, man. Um, um, so I'm not too concerned about what I want to do um, as my ideas, but I know that once I decide um, I want to step out of the Olympic sailing and go on my next thing, that I'm going to be all in and not look back and be really proud about what I've done in the Olympic sailing. Love it, man. Incredible. No, good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, Chris, that's about it for me, man. Really appreciate your time. One more time, we have Chris Barnard, USA Sailing Olympic hopeful, recent Princess Sophia Regatta winner. Um, thank you so much for your time, man. Sincerely appreciate it. Perfect. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Chris Bernard. He was fantastic. Really cool dude, as I said. Has a lot of good information. So really, really grateful that we had him on. Uh, check the show notes for everything, as we said. Maybe some some donations, maybe some uh, information, some contact information for certain people, as well as all of his socials will be in the show notes. Our socials will, and all of our information is in the show notes as well, at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. Um, www.ourathletes.us and Michael at ourathletes.us. If anybody has some feedback for me, I am always open to it. And please remember to rate, review, comment, share, and subscribe five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, as long as they have a rating system. We would sincerely appreciate it because that helps us get in front of more and more people so that these stories can be heard by more and more people. So thank you all so much for listening. Sincerely appreciate it. Thank you again to Launch Podcast, promo code Mike. And you get $50 off. Not that bad. So thank you again. Sincerely appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful day.